Welcome to the Why 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 Show, a comedy podcast about search histories, life, and and stuffs about stuffs. <laughs> I'm Jingan and I'm Eliza, and in this podcast, we are going to talk about interesting things that we search for on the internet this week. But first, we need to make a small disclaimer: this is a comedy podcast, and we do our best to research the things that we find. If there's anything that is factually inaccurate, please send us your corrections through our social media channels. You can find us at YYY Show on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. So, Eliza, what is your search term for the week? My search term is what to do if a crocodile attacks you. Run away. <laughs> Good answer. <laughs> no man. <laughs> so the past few days, right, uh. we have been doing the Sungai Bulo episode release for uh, yes. Wallflowers Project, right? Yes. So we keep seeing the crocodile. Yes, I keep looking at met. Yes, I keep looking at pictures of the crocodile. Mm-hmm, they are mm-hmm. very big, eh? Yes. They are called Astorine crocodiles or saltwater crocodiles. You mean what? The ones in Sungai Bulo? Yes. Oh. And they can grow up to five meters. What? Yes, that's why they look so intimidating. <laughs> I thought the one that we saw already very big. Like, I think it's about 2 or 3 meters. Yes, but it can grow even bigger. What? <laughs> then, you know, I was online looking at them. Uh-huh. Then every time they come out of the waters, right? Mm-hmm. And then they go and lie on the walking path. Mm-hmm. Then there'll be an article about it on our local media. Yes. I guess cross crocodiles is not something that Singaporeans see very often. <laughs> Yeah, and like, it's on the footpath, you see. It's on mm-hmm. the, the path where normally humans walk. Yes. And then, like, all the Singaporeans will be standing there, right, and gawking at the crocodiles and using their handphones. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, yes. so I was wondering, what if the crocodile suddenly lunges at us? Mm. And then what if it attacks us? What shall we do? Mm. You said run, right? Yes. Okay. Push someone slower down. <gasps> oh my goodness, <laughs> what are you going to sacrifice? <laughs> Whoever looks slower. What the Run f- away. away. Tian is going to sacrifice a person that's slower than her. Do Survival not, instinct. Do not stand beside Tian when you are near a crocodile. She will push you towards the crocodile. <laughs> well, it's either you or me. <gasps> okay. I'm not going to Sungai Bolo with you ever again. <laughs> you know, the first advice that all the articles gave. Play dead. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> okay. Was... To avoid being attacked. <laughs> of course lah. I mean like, you don't go so near to the mouth as if it's not going to bite you. <laughs> the, the, every, all of them said the same thing. The first, first advice is do not go into waters where crocodiles are sighted. Like avoid the situation that yes. you will meet the crocodile. Yes. <laughs> but, 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 when we go to Sungai Bolo, we, meet, we met it so many times. And everybody will crowd around it, right? Yeah, and like... <laughs> yeah, everybody go near it and stare at <laughs> and it. Talk so and loud. talk so loud. And, and like, you will just look at us with a face of contempt. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I can, I can take you all down. I can take you all down. You know that face, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah. I think we are very poor. Like, we have this very poor sense of what mm. is safety. Yes. Poor judgment <laughs> of danger. Mm. Apparently, a crocodile's jaw... Is 25 times stronger than a human's. That's great. So imagine like how, <laughs> how you bite an apple, right? Yes. It's like 25 times stronger than that. Ah, okay. 
Yeah. It's scary. Mm. So like, no matter how strong you feel you are, you cannot run from its grasp. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and the crocodile attacks, right? Yes. A hundred times deadlier than shark attacks. Oh, what? Really? And far more frequent. Oh, is it because people just think that it's not going to attack? Like, it looks so still. Yeah, because it's very quiet. Oh. The shark, at least, you know, you can see the fin. <laughs> the crocodile, sometimes they will be underwater, then they will swim oh, yes, up yes, to yes. you. Then it looks like a log. Yeah. yeah. And then it will suddenly yes, you. That's part of its like, yeah. uh, evolutionary advantage. Yes. For shark, they still circle around. Mm. So you kind of know, like, hey, 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 I better get out. You know? mm-hmm. Yeah. For the crocodile, it's like, Hiding, 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 suddenly snack. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And then in the articles, they were saying yes. like, do not walk your dog near crocodile habitats because the crocodiles are attracted to the sound and movement of small animals. Oh, interesting. Mm. Which also includes babies and small children. <laughs> oh my God. So do not let babies and small children play near the water's edge. Okay. Mm. So crocodiles eat any kind of meat, right? Any. I, I suppose. Yes, it's fine. Yeah. So the, the that time when we caught the crocodile and the bird in the same frame, mm-hmm. so the crocodile was really plotting to eat the bird. Mm. It will <laughs> assess whether like it's it possible. is worth the fight or not. Uh. Then if it feels that it's worth the fight, it will just... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because when I went to the zoo in Australia, right, there mm-hmm. was a crocodile enclosure there. Mm-hmm. Then they said that it will conserve its energy because yes. like it's leap to go and bite the thing right it, it takes out a lot of the yes, energy yes. so it's like needs to assess whether it's worth it yeah to correct use that energy to get the meat yes right yeah because it's so freaking heavy it's a few hundred kg yeah but you know the enclosure that i saw right they uh-huh. hang the meat right and then the crocodile can actually jump and jump get, up right yeah. i saw it at gatorland or something like that it yeah, just yeah. jump vertically out like yes and it can jump higher than a human's high. It jump higher than me. Oh my god. So yeah, don't underestimate it. Yes. Okay. So if you spot a crocodile that is quite near you, what do you do? Run away. No, no. You <laughs> back away slowly first. Okay, back Try away slowly. not to make any sudden movements. Okay. Yeah, splashing in water will draw its attention. Okay, okay. Definitely do not go into the water. Yeah, don't. Yeah, <laughs> it's like the sound, the movement already, it attracts it already. Mm. Yeah. I suppose it will be faster than you in the water. Yes, definitely. Than on land. Yes. Yeah. So, okay, now you back away slowly, yeah? Now uh. you're away from the water already. Mm. Then what if the crocodile is moving towards you? Mm? Mm? Eh. Then walk in the opposite direction. Yes, run <laughs> away in a straight line. Oh, okay, don't need S shape. Don't need S shape. <laughs> that is a myth, apparently. Yeah, apparently that is a very big myth. Yeah, okay. Just run the the fastest. Yes, because crocodiles, right? They can move at a speed of ten miles per hour, which is four meters a second. So it's like blah 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 blah. One thousand. It's like do do do. Okay. Four meters per second. Okay, la, we okay. can run faster than we that. We can run at 12 meters per second. Yeah. So we are... Zoo, zoo, zoo. Ah, uh, okay. okay. Just run. Yeah, so we are faster than them. So you back away slowly first. Okay. You must get out of the water first, ma, right? Okay. Then if it charge at you, right? Yeah. Then you just run. Okay. Okay? Got it. Okay. Okay, now what do you do? Uh? If you very sway, uh, you cannot outrun the crocodile because you spot it too late. Okay. And then it surprise attack you, like just bite your arm already. Okay. Then how? Bite your leg already. Uh, use a stick. 
to try to wedge inside the the teeth. The teeth ah. Uh. And then, then maybe it will let go. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> Try to push it, you know, towards the 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 part of the teeth that is nearest to the, to his jaw. Is it? The jaw, yeah. Oh, that's the strongest part. Eh? Yeah, lor. That's it... why then you can open, ma. Oh. Then you can free yourself, ma. Okay. I mean, like try to la. Okay. <laughs> okay, that is not the correct answer. <laughs> all right, all right. <laughs> So what the crocodile will do, right, is uh, once it bite you, right, it mm. will immediately try to pull you into a death roll. So it will start rolling to oh. try to drown its prey or subdue its prey. Oh, so it will try, try to, to drown you, you. Yeah. Yes. So Makes sense. Like you say, you want to pry open its mouth, right? Uh-huh. But the mouth is very, very strong. Once it closes, right, it's almost impossible for a human to open it. But you can't abandon your arm also, right, if it's not torn like apart. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, then the skin <laughs> of the corolla is so thick, right? Yeah. That you, no matter how you, you, you smack stab, it, you, yeah. like, even if you take a branch or a key or something, you try to stab it, right? The skin is so thick, it's, it will barely be injured. Can you stab the eye? Yes, that's <laughs> the only weak point of the crocodile is oh. the eye. So you need to poke his eyes. Oh. Ah, or the nose, like, if you cannot reach the eyes for some reason, right? Okay. Yeah, then you poke the nose drill. Oh, yeah. it's the weakest part of the crocodile. Yes, the mm. eyes and the nose. And people have survived death rolls by doing that. Oh, okay. Yeah. That makes sense, that makes sense. Yeah, so there was this woman, Vel Plumwood, she survived two death rolls already and she rolled with the crocodile twice. Why, why twice? And never drowned because <sighs> she put up a fight. So the crocodile was unable to drown her. Okay, as in like it's two separate occasions or is it the same incident too. same same incident so it will try to drown you once then, oh. it, then it will it need to rest first ma. then it drown you again then it rest for a while then it drown you oh. like that, you know? then when she tried to get away from the crocodile right yes. the crocodile pulled her into another death row then she jammed her fingers in his eyes and nose just keep like dig 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 it oh my god yeah then the crocodile flinched la, then let go oh. yeah then she used her torn clothing as a tourniquet for her wounds oh. ah, so okay. that's the way Interesting. Mm. Also, if you are bitten, right, uh, they say that try to avoid the head and the tail. Because like, if it loses its grip on you, it will bite you again. Ma. It will try, yeah. to, hold it will try to bite you again. Yeah. And the tail, you must avoid it because it's super strong. Oh, so it, it might you. break your legs or whatever, oh, like injure you very badly okay, okay. with its tail. As in, like, you release from the grip of the crocodile already, then mm. you must like, avoid the head and the tail. Yes, yes, oh, yes. Okay, avoid okay. it. Yeah. As a last resort, you can choose to sacrifice a limb. Okay. Yeah. So one ecologist and former zoo worker, Rudy uh, Francis, yes. he was feeding crocodiles on a Malaysian farm uh-huh. when the crocodile put him into the shallow waters and began a death row. Okay. Yeah. Then because he worked with them before, right? Uh. Then he know he need to avoid the head and the tail, ma, to, oh. a- to, have, to avoid all the injuries, right? Yes. So he actually hugged the crocodile's underbelly. He hold the he hugged the crocodile's torso. Okay, yes. Yeah, yeah. And then he know that it's impossible to pry open the mouth of the crocodile. Yes. So he decided to sacrifice his leg. Oh my god. Yeah. Then how? he let the crocodile tear his leg away below the knee. Uh-huh. Then the co-workers put him to safety. <laughs> okay. So in that ordeal, he lost his right leg, his right hand, but he survived the ordeal and lived to tell the tale. Okay. I mean, at least he survived. Yes, he survived. <laughs> and he like tells his story now. Oh, okay. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's quite amazing. 
Yeah, so this is why the experts say, right, the only way you can guarantee your own survival mm. is to not get attacked in the first place. Yes, yes. I mean, mm. that's the best mm. scenario. One of the wildlife experts said, vigilance is more reliable than eye poking. <laughs> Be vigilant. <laughs> Constant vigilance. Yes. <laughs> So, Jian, what is your search term of the week? My search term is... Pizza funeral. Pizza funeral. Yes. It's what f- do you think it is? Funeral for a pizza. Okay. Like, you eat finish the pizza, then you're sad. Then you will stare at the box with this sadness that you have finished this very nice food. Then that's called a pizza funeral. Okay. <laughs> Alright. Um, no. Okay, i give you one more guess. Okay, one more guess is a funeral for a very, very important, famous, world-record-breaking pizza. Why won't people eat it instead of having a funeral for it? Because they need to break the world record first. Then, then by the time they measure it, it became bad. Like it turned stale or became sour or something. Oh. Or got a lot of dust and animal poop on it then cannot eat already so oh. they held a funeral for this world record breaking pizza okay i mean you're quite close la, in that it is the pizzas that were getting buried huh <laughs> they bury it yeah huh the pizzas la. okay yeah but it is not correct la. it's not okay it's yeah. not correct my yeah. uh, theory <laughs> is not right yeah okay but they actually bury p- pizzas yeah they buried pizzas Okay, please tell me why yeah. did they do I that? I thought your guess would be something like, you know, the funeral, then they serve pizzas. Like somebody's funeral, then they, oh. everything is pizza. But it's the, that, that funeral will be about the person, won't be about pizza, so you won't call it a pizza funeral. Okay, maybe. Yeah, okay. True. I thought it's like one of the options, you know, in your funeral. Oh, you want pizza funeral, <laughs> or cupcake funeral, <laughs> or chicken curry funeral, is it? Yes, or biryani funeral. Yeah. Oh. Noted, noted. <laughs> okay, so it's actually the Great Michigan Pizza Funeral. It's an unusual event where several dozen people headed out to a farm in Osineke, Michigan, to witness a massive burial for 30,000 frozen family-sized mushroom pizzas. The pizzas were buried in a 5.5-meter uh-huh. hole. Five okay. Five point five meters. It's, it's very, very deep, deep you know. Yeah, yeah, but it's a lot of pizzas. It's as deep as a crocodile. Yes. <laughs> a crocodile size hole. Yes. Okay. <laughs> but I'm pretty sure it's pretty wide and uh and deep. Yes. That's okay. Right. Thirty thousand pizza. Eh, yeah. Thirty thousand. Why? Why is there thirty thousand pizza? I will tell you about it in a bit. Okay, I'm very excited to know because I really like pizza. Yeah, I know. Okay. <laughs> pile after pile of pizzas slid out the back of a line of pickup trucks. So it was like a big event. And there's a lot of pickup trucks, then like uh-huh. the pizza just fall into the hole. Okay. Yeah, then when it was all over, Mario Fabrini, who was the owner of these pizzas, laid a two color flower garland on the grave. Okay. Red for the sauce and white for the cheese. Oh my goodness. So dramatic. So what happened? Expired. They expired. Cause the freezer, the freezer spoil. <laughs> very close, very close. Not bad, not Is bad, it? not bad. Uh, oh my goodness, really? It's not, it's not. It's not oh. about the freezer mm-hmm. spoiling. Okay, okay. Yeah, but it's a similar like 
situation. Okay, okay. Yeah, so in January 1973, uh, the employees of United Canning in Ohio noticed that some of their tins of mushrooms had swelled up mm-hmm. and they had them sent for tests. Okay. So swelled up cans are normally bad news. Yes, correct. I'm sure you know. So the test revealed that the cans were harboring a type of bacterium. Yes. Clostridium botulinum. Yes. Which cause botulism. Yes. You know botulism? Yes. Yeah, it will cause body-wide muscle weakness, low blood pressure, and death. Okay. So the FDA removed the cans from the store shelves, but they also had to make some calls up the supply chain to ensure that nobody ate the bad mushrooms. Mm -hmm. So that included this Mario Fabrini and his pizza. No, he used the pizza. No, he he used the, the mushrooms. Mushroom. Yeah. He used the mushroom in his pizza. So and he made 30,000 of them. Yes. <gasps> at least. Is it, is it a factory? Is it a frozen yeah, pizza? Yeah, he had a factory oh. at that part of time. Oh shit, oh that sucks. Okay then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when he received the call, he said that everything went dark. As he know, he would incur great losses from it. <sighs> That's so sad. Okay, Okay, so some background about Mr. Mario Fabrini. His hometown was in Fiume, Italy, and he grew up under the fascist regime. Mm -hmm. After World War II, he moved to America, and then he started to make pizzas according to his hometown recipe, but then tweak it to the American palate. Oh. So he started to deliver them which was very unheard of at that time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, because last time, I guess people go to the Italian restaurants yes. to eat the pizzas, yes, right? Yes. Then eventually, he moved on to making frozen pizzas. Mm-hmm. So he's actually like the so-called epitome of the great American dream yeah. kind of thing. Because he escaped the fascist regime. Yes. And yeah, he, he was rescued by it, basically. Because it's a post-war era, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. So he managed to make his blooming pizza business from nothing. Mm-hmm. And he was about to be sabotaged by this food incident mm-hmm. that it wasn't his fault, basically. Yeah. Yeah. So he got news about the compromised mushrooms and he sent them for a quick test. Okay. As in, he sent his pizzas for a quick test. Yes. So a few slices were fed to the lab mice and they promptly died. Oh my goodness, they actually yeah. fed it. Okay. Yes. So he had no choice but to recall his pizzas with mushrooms on them. And it was a cost of $30,000 and a retail value of $60,000. Oh At that goodness. time, it's a lot of money. Yes, it's a lot of money. Yeah. So as a means of creating publicity and a demonstration of his accountability, mm-hmm. this Mario Fabrini is quite smart. He, mm. he made this very public funeral for the pizzas. Yes. And it was attended by the governor of Michigan at wow. that time. Wow. Yeah, so he was trying to encourage him. La, and then he got some help also mm. from the people who wanted his business to continue. Mm. The final kicker for this story is that after some time, Mm-hmm. They realized that the pizzas were not affected at all. Okay. Yeah. Because the mice that died after eating the pizza uh-huh. did not die of botulism. Then they but died. of some other mouse malady. Oh, okay. Then, then the Fabrini say like, oh, maybe they ate too much of it. Oh, my digestion. goodness. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I hope they bury the the mice together with the pizza. <laughs> like, oh, my God. <laughs> May you rest in pizza, in the pizza grave. Yeah, so in the end, the Mario Fabrini sales did take a dive because some of the flavors with mushrooms, uh-huh. they were still suspected of having the botulism okay. by the public. Okay. Like they don't believe that 
the statement from the FDA is correct or like you yes, know, yes, yeah, you know, yes. it will affect people the will have a fear, right, yeah, of buying yeah, that. Yeah. Okay. So he lost some sales, but because he sued the canning company okay. in the end, so he managed to recoup his losses. Oh, nice. Yeah. So he got a free publicity campaign, yes. sort of. <laughs> a lot of grievances, yes. but then in the end, he got his money back. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Because so he got the damages, right? He sued for damages and yeah, yeah, yeah. he won. Yes. Okay. So he's quite a genius in the end. Yes. Mm. Interesting ah. story. One of the first people that, number one, came up with frozen meals. Yes. And number two, a viral marketing campaign. Indeed. <laughs> so he was like a champion of two things. Yes, yes, mm. yes. He really understood the value of uh, publicity. Mm. Mm. All right. Very interesting. Oh, I was very interested in this because it contains my favorite food. Pizza. Yes. Alright, it's time for our special segment. Three things to Google from a friend. So, Jingan, who is the contributor of this week? Our contributor this week is... Sally! Alright, Sally. It's been a while since we heard from you. Yes. Sally, what have you got for us today? Okay, Sally has three very interesting search terms. And the first one is locus motivation. As in L-O-C-U-S? Yeah. With a T or without? Without. (laughs) (laughs) I thought it's like the motivation of locus. Like why do they eat our crops? Locus motivation. No idea what it is. Oh, it's a a self-productivity... Thing, I think how to stay motivated the locus rule so apparently right they did some study with kids uh-huh. and then the kids were told to solve the puzzles mm-hmm. then those kids who were told that you're smart you're intelligent you're gifted for yeah. solving the puzzle like you're born with it yeah you're born with it mm. they did poorer than the kids who did the puzzles and were told that good job you worked hard on it Mm. You like you tried your best, mm. you know, because mm. being gifted, being intelligent, mm. is an external locus of control. It's like, not something you can control. Yeah, basically. it's not something that you can control. Mm. Like you're born like that, like, Your stats mm. very good. Then you are lucky, you know. Mm. Yeah, but then if you work hard on it and you put in effort, mm. then it's an internal locus of control. Yeah, because the amount of hard work that you put in is under your own control. Yes. Yep. So, so to use the locus as motivation, mm-hmm. you need to tell yourself things. <laughs> like you need to believe la, that you are the one who is making the change in your life. Mm. Yeah. And the way you say things to yourself, lo, mm. yeah. Instead of saying that I am gifted, I am smart, or that person is gifted, that person mm. is talented, mm. then you say instead that person worked hard. Yes. I feel like being a creative in the creative industry. Yes. I feel like this word talent yes. is thrown around a lot. Yes. And I feel like sometimes it's unfair mm-hmm. that when people say, oh, you're so talented. I yeah. feel like sometimes it downplays, downplays the it. amount of hard work that you put in. Yes, exactly what I was trying to say. <laughs> Do you feel it too? Yeah, all the time. It's not that I was born with so-called whatever talent. I think whatever work that you put in afterwards is much more important. Mm. Yeah. I think we are born with a predisposition to like certain things. Mm-hmm. But if we don't put in the work, then nothing lah. Nothing will come out of it lah. Mm-hmm. Like some kids like to play basketball or like to 
play soccer or something mm. but then if they don't get the chance or they don't put in the effort to improve their skill yes. then nothing lah cannot, cannot play lah <laughs> I mean this reminds me of the growth versus fixed mindset because uh-huh. the growth mindset is the belief that you are able to grow yourself mm-hmm. like you as long as you put in the hard work you are able to grow but the fixed mindset is like when people think that they achieve results because they are smart by themselves uh-huh. so when they don't achieve results mm-hmm. they think that they are not smart hence they feel oh. that even if they put in a lot of hard work they cannot achieve the results because mm. they believe that their capability is fixed mm. and there's it's a bit of a self-fulfilling prophecy right because yeah. when you believe that way then you'll say things like i'm not meant for this mm. or this thing is too hard i'm too lazy i'm not cut out for it mm. you know you'll start saying things like that yeah i mean yeah basically it's a mindset change and i think it is really very helpful all right so what's the next search term the next search term is sexagenary cycle I don't know how to spell it. Help, sexagenary. Oh, I found it, I found it. Again, another term that I have no idea what it is. Sexagenary, it sounds like, okay, to me, it sounds like sexer is gender, then genery is geriatics. So it is how your sexual orientation may or may not change as you grow older. No, 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 no. Sexer is six. Completely wrong. I'm completely <laughs> wrong. I'm so sorry. Uh, let's see. What does it mean? Mm. Oh, I guess it's kind of like a East Asian calendar type of thing. And they count the terms according to like 60 years for one cycle. It is also known as the stems and branches or kanji. Am I saying it right? <laughs> yes, yes. Historically used for reckoning time in China and the rest of the East Asian cultural sphere. Oh, it is our ancient way of counting time. Yes, yes, yes. And we share it with other people in East Asia. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. In Japan, Korea, Vietnam. I feel like it's something that you can find in the Feng Shui Master. Elmanic. <laughs> is that what the word that they Elmanic. use? Elmanic. Uh, I thought Elmanac is like a book of magical spells or something. Mm, open up the can of worms. Now I need Oops. to know what Elmanac is. Okay. Elmanac means a publication containing astronomical and meteorological data for a given year and often include a miscellany of other information. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I know what you're talking about. This thing my mom buys every year. <laughs> <laughs> Your mom buys it. Yeah. I didn't even know what? it's called Almanac. To count the best auspicious dates and yes. times, is it? Yes, because yeah, my mom will buy the this book, right? Then uh-huh. inside there is like all the information for like when you know Chinese New Year, mm-hmm. then there's a special timing yes. that you're supposed to pray. Including a miscellany of other information. Oh, that's the miscellany uh, yes, of correct. other information. Yes, my mom has this book. <laughs> Every year is different. On the not-so-metaphysical side, uh-huh. the Almanac is also an annual publication containing statistical, tabular, or general information. Oh, oh, So, oh, like, those okay. kind of fun fact books that we get when we were a kid. Okay. They're like, world history Almanac, you know, that uh, kind of thing. Yeah. Okay, so sexogenary cycle, we have established what it is. What is the next search term? The next search term is... Seaspiracy. Seaspiracy. But yeah. when I spell it, it's sea piracy. Is it a pun? <laughs> yes, it is. It's a conspiracy of the seas. <laughs> oh, whoa, whoa. It looks like quite a cool thing. Okay, it's a new docu series on Netflix. 
Yeah, it's a 2021 documentary film about the environmental impact of fishing. Oh my goodness, I would mm, like this. Yes. It's only 29 minutes there. Okay, I'll definitely watch this. It's one hour and 29 minutes. Oh my goodness, it's made by the <laughs> team behind... Huh? One hour? Yeah. Why does mine say 29 minutes? Oh, one hour, 29 minutes. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, and it is made by the team behind the award-winning 2014 film Cowspiracy. <laughs> which was backed by Leonardo DiCaprio. <laughs> oh my goodness, there is so many funny things about this. I mean, one thing about Netflix is that sometimes it is a bit dramatized, but I feel that it's great because they bring you into the world of this, this particular thing, mm. like the cheerleading squad or like the F1 team. Yeah. You know, they tell you about what happens in these people's world so you can be more empathetic about what they are feeling or like you know it's a it's a jump off point to learn more about another that world thing. that you don't live in yes but you need to take it with a pinch of salt yes yeah Definitely. like you know that it is dramatized yes so you must think of it the realistic way to think of a netflix show mm. is like very nice very exciting i'm very engaged mm. but i know that in real life it is not so yes. <laughs> crazy yes yes yeah by the way, the first article that come out of this seaspiracy is Netflix documentary accused of misrepresentation by participants. Yeah. <laughs> NGOs and experts quoted in film say it contains misleading claims, erroneous statistics, and out-of-context interviews. Yes. I mean, sometimes they tend to do that. So you mm. must like really research on your own after you watch. Mm. Mm. I guess uh, at the end of the day, it's about the message, la, yeah. like, the point they're trying to make. Okay, watch Netflix documentary, but watch it with a pinch of salt. Yes. Okay, moving on. Eliza, what is your next search term of the week? My search term is... Why must horses wear shoes? Horseshoe. Because they want to protect their hooves. Why are you so smart? Ah? <laughs> Not meh. I, I mean, that's yes. not my direct answer. At the basic level, horseshoes are designed to protect horse hooves from wearing out, especially from hard surfaces. Yeah, because like, let's say have, they have to walk on the road, right? Mm-hmm. Then the road is like cement or granite. Mm-hmm. Then their nail will wear out after a while. Then the, the stable master or whoever is like, have to keep on like taking care of their nails. Correct. Correct. How do you know that? Because I've been reading a fantasy series and one of the plot points is that the boy that I'm following in the fantasy series is trained by the stable master. Wow. <laughs> wow. So now you know a lot about it. No, it's just a little bit. Okay. Yeah, you know, I did not know that the horse hooves, yeah. they are actually like a nail. Uh-huh. Yeah, I had no idea. It's, yeah, it's like our nails, right? Yeah, it will wear out if you mm. walk on very hard things. It's like if you keep buffing your nail or sending your nail, yes, then yes, it yes. will just get closer and closer to your flesh. Mm. Then it will get more and more pain. Then it will be painful for the horses. Mm. Okay, mm, mm, makes mm, sense. Mm, mm, mm. So horseshoes, right, they can improve traction for equestrian events, like, mm. you know, those spots that involve horses. Yeah, and jumping. Yeah. yeah, and they can even provide therapeutic relief for the horse's feet. Mm. especially for horses that perform repetitive motions from walking or showing mm. and if they have to pull things or carry people mm. so normally horseshoes are metal right is that a correct assumption yes horseshoes are usually made of steel but it can be made of other materials like aluminium titanium copper rubber or even plastic oh mm. and then it has to be put on by a skilled 
person okay. called a farrier. It is someone who specializes in horse foot anatomy and horse shoes. <laughs> and they will forge them after examining the horse's feet. Mm-hmm. And then they will try to provide a customized feet for the horse. Wow. Then most of these farriers, yes. they complete farrier school or apprenticeship. Eh. What? Yeah, and some of them have blacksmithing knowledge so that they are skilled enough uh-huh. to make their own horseshoe. Eh. Oh my ding, gosh. Ding, ding, you know that thing? A horseshoe maker. Yeah, so <laughs> cool, right? It's a real profession. What? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Very interesting. So, right, why do we need this, right? Mm. It's a needs-based invention, eh? It came from the domestication of wild horses as working animals. Yeah, I mean, like, I'm sure wild horses don't have horseshoes. Yeah, la, they only wear shoes. <laughs> yeah, because they gallop across different kind of Yeah, like in, in the mountains or in the hills, then they don't need this as much, right? Because mm, it's not so hard. Mm. And also, if they don't use it enough, it might grow too long. Because mm-hmm. it's like a nail, ma. Mm. But in the wild, they run here, run there to find food. Yes. Oh, mm. makes sense, makes sense. So the early domesticated horses, right? Uh-huh. They were often exposed to conditions that are different from their natural habitat. Mm. Because we take them away from their natural yeah, habitat. Yeah, like the road, right? And yes. Stuff. Then we yeah. put them on our roads and then we make them do work. So they keep doing the, like, they keep walking the same roads and yes, all that, yes, right? The yes. hard places. And we use them to travel a lot. Mm. Yeah, and we use them to hunt and all that. Mm. And so the shoes provide protection from sharp objects. Oh. And breakage or damage to the hoof. That makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm. So based on archaeological finds, mm-hmm. we know that in ancient Asia, right, mm. the horse hooves, mm-hmm. they actually wrap them in raw hide or leather eh, to protect them. Oh. Okay. Long time ago. Oh. Before like metal was even invented. Mm, mm, mm. So cute, right? So basically, this problem <laughs> has been around for a long time. Yeah. Like the, that the nails will be worn. Yeah. But then they have different ways of solving it. Mm, so mm, it evolved mm. to the horseshoe. Yes, yes. Ah, yes. Interesting. And it is a problem because, right, the horse will become lame. Have you heard of the term lame horse before? Uh, is it because they make a lot of lame jokes? Nay. <laughs> That's not the answer. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, let's move you on. Got before it, you got our... it! <laughs> yes, I got it. <laughs> okay, so lameness is an abnormal gait or stance. Okay. So the horse cannot stand properly or walk properly because mm-hmm. it's painful. Oh. And it's a very common veterinary problem. Oh. For race horses, sport horses, and pleasure horses. And it's mm. very expensive to treat or fix. Oh. Yeah, because the horse body is very heavy. Mm-hmm. Then their leg is very fragile. Mm. So once it's injured, it's very difficult to heal. Oh, yeah, because if not how, right? <laughs> yeah, not how they move around and do their normal things without using their leg, right? Yeah. Mm. And then the ancient Romans, right? They also made a special strappy shoe thing for their horses. Wow. Yeah, it's called a hippo sandal. And it protects their hooves. So cute, right? Why they call the horse hippo? I don't know. It's called hippo sandal. It's so cute. Okay, so now my question for you is, do you know how they install the horseshoes? How do they install the Mm. horseshoes? You read the book, right? Come on. Let's test never say. (laughs) (laughs) Let me guess. Let me guess. Um... They have to view a relationship with the horse. Okay. So that when they put the horseshoe on, the horse won't kick them. Okay. Either that or they have to put some tranquilizing thing, injection, (laughs) so that the horse lie down. 
then they shove the shoe on. <laughs> How is the shoe put on the horse? Is it not like a normal human shoe? Like there's a hole, there's a metal, <laughs> metal boot, is it? Then the horse put the hoof inside, is it? Oh, no, wait, wait, wait. I think it's not. Uh-huh. I think they have to actually nail it on or something like that. Uh-huh. Yeah, they have to nail the metal onto the hoof because it's actually thick enough to not feel the nail. Yes, ayo! <laughs> shove, what? Shove the horse hoof into the shoe. I was like, what in the world is she talking about? Correct! Yes, 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 they were clean. They had to clean the horse hoof first, scrape off the dirt. Sudden then epiphany. They need to foul the horse hoof, foul, foul, foul. Oh, make it clean, clean. So and that you fit with the thing. Yes! Mm. Then they nail the horseshoe, yeah, right? They had to nail it on. Okay. Yeah, then I forget the nail. So long, like, I just I just cringe looking at it. It's so long then. But actually, the hoof is much thicker than yeah, the Yeah, it's much thicker, yeah, right. Yeah. So. The horseshoeing procedure is supposed to be painless mm. if it is done correctly. Mm. Then if you do wrongly, then you hurt the horse. Mm. The horse will have an immediate reaction. Yeah, of course. I mean, if somebody kick kicks something you, uh, inside my nail, although it's like at the part that is not painful. I kick the person, <laughs> right? <laughs> Won't you be upset? Mm. Yes. Then certain breeds with good hooves and legs and limited workload, uh-huh. and you know if they have enough space to forage for their food and all that, yeah. right? They can live happily without shoes. Oh. Yeah. Then in cold weather, sometimes the owner will take out the shoes, then let their hoof grow a bit because the hoof will grow slower in cold weather, oh, so they okay. can take out their horseshoe for a while. Oh, let them okay, like okay. bare feet for a while, la. Oh, like breathe, like enjoy, <laughs> like breathe. Yeah, don't need can't wear shoe. Oh, so cute. Yeah, you know when I was younger, right? I had no idea a horseshoe was for horses. Oh. Like, I thought it was a lucky charm thing. Oh. Right? Have you heard of it? Like, horseshoe is lucky or something like that? Yes. Because shoe to us is like a, a thing that covers the whole foot, right? Yeah. Then how yeah, come yeah. a U-shaped thing can be a shoe? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Well, anyway, do you know why horseshoes are considered lucky? Let you guess. Why, yeah? Mm. No idea. Because... It's shiny. Because it's shiny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because it's not part of our world. Like in the Asian world, like no such thing, you know? Yeah, we don't understand why it's lucky. Yeah. Okay, so there's a legend behind it. Oh. There okay. was a 10th century saint called Dustan. No, that's not his name. <laughs> That's not my name. <laughs> there was a 10th century saint called Dunstan <laughs> who worked as a blacksmith okay. before becoming the Archbishop of Canterbury. Okay. Okay, legend has it that one day hmm. the devil walked into Dunstan's workshop <laughs> and asked him to show his horse. Mm. Then Dunstan pretended not to recognize the devil mm-hmm. and agreed to the request. Mm-hmm. But rather than nailing the shoe to the horse's hoof, mm-hmm. Dunstan could nail the horseshoe to the devil. Oh nail my. it to the devil's foot. <laughs> Ouch. Causing him great pain. <laughs> Why does Dunstan do this kind of thing? To the devil, so funny. <laughs> then then Dunstan eventually agreed to remove the shoe but only after the devil promised him that he will never enter a household with a horseshoe nailed to the door oh Mm. and that is how a horseshoe became a lucky object ah it's like a tree seer thing yeah What a way evil spirit. Yes, yes, yes. Mm. You know the amusing thing is that, right, the way to hang the horseshoe is widely debated. 
Oh, like upside down or right way up. Yes. <laughs> Some people say the end should point up uh, so that the horseshoe catch the luck. Okay. Or catch in the U shape part. Okay. Then others say, no, 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 it should point down oh. so that the luck will pour onto those who are entering the home. Oh. Mm. So it's a bit like feng shui. Yes. <laughs> like whatever you say is okay, la, correct. La. Yeah, lor. However yeah. you say it, whatever, the way you phrase it. Yeah, whatever you believe is correct. Mm. Okay. Mm. Anyway, I got one last question for you. Okay. Where do you take your horse if it is sick? To the vet. No. To the hospital. You know what the doctor will say? What? You sound a little hoarse today. <laughs> okay. Very funny. Okay, we are done, you we are not, done. You, I, I delivered a joke, you should laugh. You should not like, you know, come at me with another joke. That is not as good, you know? I was trying to continue the joke. I tell you how to deliver it, okay? It's okay. Like, what did the doctor say to the pony? Okay, what? You are a little horse. <laughs> See, like that, that's funny. <laughs> okay, so Jian, what is your search term of the week? Okay, my search term is the tree that owns itself. The tree that owns itself? Yes. How come it can own itself? Do you know about this? Mm, yes and no. Okay. Why is yes and no? I feel like I heard of it before, but I cannot remember the story. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, it's a pretty famous tree from the United States, and it's located in Athens, Georgia, at a kind of like a road intersection place. Uh-huh. It is a white oak tree, and its owner, Colonel William Henry Jackson, owned the property there back in 1820-ish. Okay. okay, so this guy loved this tree so, 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 so much that he decided to protect it by giving the tree ownership of itself and <laughs> also the land around it. Oh my goodness, okay. Yeah. The official did read witnesses that the said W.H. Jackson, for an inconsideration of the great affection which he bears, said tree, and his great desire to see it protected has conveyed. By these presents do they convey unto the said oak tree entire possession of itself and of all land within 8 feet, which is 2.4 meters, of it on all sides. I feel like you just spoke English, but I did not <laughs> understand a single word. I know, right? When I read it, I was like, why you must write it in such a difficult and convoluted way? Is it in the Shakespearean era where this was written? <laughs> it's 1820-ish. <laughs> Yeah, basically Close like enough. Means, basically the, the deed means that oh I love this tree so much so I give it ownership of itself and also the area around it. Okay. Two point four meter. Okay. Okay, so there's a plaque there okay. beside the tree. Okay. That paraphrases this phrase. In the English of today. Mm, and also you can see it there like okay. today now. Okay. Yeah. So it's quite a nice little romantic story and like, you know, people go there to look at the tree, like a bit of a tourism thing. Okay. And it's good for the press. But uh-huh. the tree there is not actually the same tree that the colonel loves so dearly. What? It is actually a new tree grown from one of its acorns because the tree was blown down by a storm one day. <gasps> So it's actually a, like a grandson of the tree. No, it's the son. So it's, it's the son of the tree. It's given the name the uh-huh. son of the tree that owns itself. Oh. 
Oh, oh no, okay. But and does it own the land around it? Did it inherit the land? And, yes, it did. And also, <laughs> it seems that only one person, like this story is a bit ridiculous, it seems like only one person, which is the writer of the article in 1890, by the way, uh-huh. is the article is called Deeded to Itself, who told the tale of this story. And it seems like only this person has seen the deed. Okay. Yeah. And most people think that it's like either lost or no longer exists or never even existed in the first place. Okay. <laughs> hmm, dubious. And, okay. and even if the deed did exist, it would not actually hold legal rights under the US legal system. Because it is a tree. It is a tree. Okay. Exactly. But the Athens Clark County, which is the government there, mm-hmm. say... However defective the law is, the public recognize it. So we will in spirit acknowledge that the tree does own itself. Ah, okay. Which makes sense because it's a bit of a tourism thing, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it brings uh, a bit of an economic growth to that place, you know? <laughs> yeah. Some economic value to it. Yes. Mm. But it is in a place where it's like a residential area like that one. Oh. There's no like, you know, shop beside it, that kind of oh. thing, you know? Oh. It's just like people just go there to see the tree. Oh, it's just okay. an interesting thing. Mm. And then people still talk about it to this day. So it kind yeah. of like pulled its own weight. Like for the last 200 years, people are talking about it, right? Yeah, it's like a fun little story, la, basically. How can this tree own itself? Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> but it's like, a, you know, like an ultimate protection. Nobody can ever tear me down. Yeah, yeah. Actually, it brings about a question also like, how sentient must you be before you can own yourself? Mm. Can a dog own itself? No. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Can a wild animal own itself? I'm not familiar with laws. Yeah, that's why it's like, where is that morality line, right? Because at one point, some humans are not even allowed to own themselves. They're slaves, right? That's true. Yeah, so at what point do we allow things to own themselves? Hmm. Dum, dum, dum. Way beyond us, okay? Yes. Anyway. <laughs> Something to think about. Yes. Alright, we've reached the almost end of our podcast and now it is time for... One thing to recommend. My recommendation for this week is a poem by Max Ehrman called Desiderata. Okay. Desiderata. It's very difficult to say. D-E-S-I-D-E-R-A-T-A. It is actually the plural of desideratum. <laughs> Which means things wanted or needed. Oh, wow. Okay. I thought it was just a nonsense word. Okay. Then I thought it was someone's name. Ah. I was wrong on both accounts. It's like a desire. Mm. Okay. Anyway, the poem gives advice on how best to live your life. Okay. Okay, let me read you the first stanza. Then you go read the rest yourself. Okay. Go placidly amid the noise and haste. And remember what peace there may be in silence. As far as possible, without surrender, be on good terms with all persons. Speak your truth quietly and clearly, and listen to others. Even the Tao and the ignorant, they too have their story. Mm. Mm. What good advice. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot more to this poem, and it's a very wonderful read and very wholesome. Mm. Okay, look forward to reading it. Okay. Okay, my recommendation for this week is an activity. Mm-hmm. It is going to the library once in a while with the purpose of exploring and just browsing books. Not really like for studying or research, that mm-hmm. kind. Yeah, just go to the library 
and explore. I feel like in the online world now, we have a lot of algorithms or curators for us to chance upon books. Mm-hmm. But in the library, there's a randomosity to it. Oh, and yes. there's so many more books for you to like just discover. Yes. Wow, I love Libby, like mm-hmm. the app. Mm-hmm, I mm-hmm. think nothing really beats the experience of being in a very quiet place where everybody else is also reading. Mm. And the feel, the feel of the physical book, yes. the smell, the touch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, nothing can replace it. Yes. I think one day uh, the younger generation will look at us and like, eee, why y'all like to read books? <laughs> <laughs> why must y'all touch this thing that a lot of people touch? I really do like books though, actually. Yeah, me yeah. too. Me it too. really is a magical feeling to read it. Like after reading on the app for quite a bit, right? Then when I switch to the real book, then it's like, eh. Wow, it's a different feeling. Yes. Yeah. Just be brave and pick up books and read their synopsis and give it a chance before looking it up on the net to see whether the reviews are good or not. Mm -hmm. Uh, And you might discover a whole new world of books you have never even heard of before. It's Mm. a very inspiring and calming experience. Mm. 10 upon 10 would recommend. Okay, good job. Alright, we've reached the end of this week's podcast. Thank you, Eliza, for making this podcast with me. And thank you, Tian, for doing this podcast with me. If you have Googled anything interesting lately, you can drop us an email at yyyshow at gmail.com and we will search it up on the show. You can also follow us on Twitter, Instagram or on our Facebook page where we post images of some of the things that we talked about today. You can also help share our show with your friends that might enjoy a comedy trivia podcast. If you would like to support us, you can head over to our Patreon page or our Kofi page and give us a small contribution to help us keep the show running. So, see you there! A comedy podcast about search histories, life, and... I forgot to think of the phrase this week.